You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. An enormous day on Monday for the Green Bay Packers before free agency even opened. And technically, the league year doesn't even start until Wednesday. The Packers got in the mix before the legal tampering period went into effect midday on Monday because they signed two players who had previously been released. This is relevant for a number of reasons. They signed ex-Browns linebacker Christian Kirksey and ex-Lions offensive tackle Ricky Wagner, now going, I think, by Rick Wagner. And there are multiple connections that the Packers have to these players already. Obviously, they played against Wagner in the NFC North. Milt Hendrickson drafted Rick Wagner in Baltimore before he came to the Lions. And Kirksey played for Mike Patton in Cleveland. So this puts the Packers in position to have two new starters, two veteran players who have a little bit of an injury history. Each guy has struggled, especially last season, with some injuries. But when they were healthy, each were very good players at various times in their careers. And and let's start with Kirksey because he's someone that I think uh, most Packer fans are not as familiar with, someone that we've talked about on this show, but is is also someone who hasn't played the last few years has played nine total games over the last two seasons, and that creates question marks for him. Now, he's still only 27 and is not going to cost very much on the cap this year, looking somewhere in the low $4 million range. Well, that makes him a bargain, frankly, compared to what some of these guys are out here going to get. Uh, We saw Nick Kwiatkowski... Uh, he got he got over seven from the Raiders. So you know this is this is a player who, when he has been on the field, has been a good player. Coming out of Iowa was considered an undersized guy. He's he's only six two two thirties in that range, two thirty five, but ran four five eight at his pro day. Had some people thinking that he needs to be a safety in the NFL. Well, coverage has not been the thing that he's been best at over the course of his career, not at least uh, according to Pro Football Focus, but he is someone who has versatility, has speed in playmaking and can be a very good run defender. What he has been able to do in in Cleveland is put together a legacy of being a leader, of being an extremely smart player. I went back and watched him against Tennessee in week 1 last year before he got hurt. And he seemed to know where the play was going every pre-snap read. He consistently ID'd where the ball was going and got there. He plays with intelligence. He plays with ferocity. And he can play in space. Is he ever going to be 
uh, a Bobby Wagner level cover player? No, that's not who you're you're paying for. It's not the player that the Packers are signing. They wanted a veteran, someone who knows Mike Patton's scheme and who can come in week one and call the signals for this defense. That's what they got in Christian Kirksey. He is someone who can play on the outside in in a drop situation in terms of his ability to cover. He can play in the middle of the field, though it's not something he was asked to do a ton in coverage because the Browns had Joe Schobert. He really is a, is a more traditional outside linebacker in a 4-3 scheme, but he can play inside as well. And I, I think if the Packers are going to get better interior line play, that would be a boon for him. Pro Football Focus tweeted this, this stat out. Since entering the league in 2014, Kirksey ranks 11 among 30 linebackers with a minimum of 50 targets in his coverage grade on third down in particular. So over the course of his career, He's been solid in these crunch time situations. I put up a, a play of him against the Titans on third and two. He gets matched up against a running back. They try and run a little rub route to the outside. He reads it, flies downhill, and makes the tackle for no gain. Titans have to punt. Those are the kinds of plays Blake Martinez wasn't making. And the money, which is really two years, $13 million, is eminently reasonable. It's doable. And it, it puts them in a position where they can now go into the offseason, the rest of the offseason, and feel like you can draft anyone we want. Because you, you go into the NFL draft and you say, okay, if a linebacker is there, the investment made in Kirksey is not so much that it would be an overallocation of resources to also draft Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. And the same thing at this offensive line position with Ricky Wagner Yes, he is being paid to be the starter for now. If they can get Josh Jones at 30, or they can get, you know, in the second round, they get an Ezra Cleveland or a Jack Driscoll, by midseason, maybe that guy is starting, and you've got now an excellent, experienced swing tackle. So that gives the Packers a lot of flexibility here. The, the Wagner contract, uh, given the other co- contracts that we saw handed out, I mean, even if... Last year was the best version that of that the Packers are going to get of Wagner. Pro Football Focus had him last year 52nd out of 84 qualifying offensive tackles in pass blocking efficiency. He was 53rd out of 83 the year before. But when you look at some of the other guys and the money that they got, I mean, it really is remarkable. And when you look at overall grades, okay, over the last four years, By overall grade, pro football focus, among qualifying linebackers, last year, 67th out of 88. Okay, that's not very good. But in 2018, 32nd out of 85, 18th out of 92, and 23rd out of 86. So there's that cluster right there in the upper half of the league, and then one bad season due in large part due to injury. He had issues staying healthy last year, and that contributed to some poor play before that. He was a really good player and went to Detroit as the highest paid right tackle in the league. So there there was that high level of play at some point, still only 30 years old. When you look at some of these other players who were signed and the amount of money it costs to get them, it really is remarkable. The, The Lions ultimately signed a player, the backup offensive tackle from Philadelphia, who was far worse than Wagner pass blocking basically his whole career. 
And that, that part of it is just remarkable to me for the Packers to get a player like Rick Wagner who can come in and be a starter for you. He is not going to blow anyone away. Is not going to do anything crazy. Is not going to come out and be a surprise Pro Bowler. Is not going to be Preston Smith. Is not going to be Zadarius Smith. But if he just comes in and gives you solid play while your your rookie can get acclimated and then get on the field, similar to what happened with Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins, you know, if, if that battle plays out in real time, it probably takes until you know Halloween for Elton Jenkins to win that job. Lane Taylor ultimately gets hurt and and fixes that that question. But the Packers could be in a similar situation where now you're paying for a guy who his ceiling is much higher than a Jared Veldier. But this is the Jared Veldier range of money, $4 million, $4.5 million. Whereas the Lions gave an inferior player $10 million a year, and the Packers gave Wagner $11 million in total. This is a short-term deal so that this year he is the day one starter. You draft an offensive tackle, and by next year he's your backup, and you're just paying for that that extra benefit of having a veteran behind him. That's it. That's it. And as as a day, it's a pretty good day for the Packers. They didn't make any big splashes. There was a lot happening around the league, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. So some huge things happened around the league, and I think it's important that we talk about them because it provides some context for the moves the Packers made. The Packers still have about $10 million in usable cap space, but if you're going to allocate, you know, Ken Ingles, who does a lot of the Packer salary cap stuff, allocate $7.5 million to in-season player movement because you got to pay guys who go on IR and, and sign new players, those kinds of things. And the new CBA created a a tighter cap situation than we realized was going to happen with the CBA coming into effect over the weekend. So the Packers have a little bit less money than we thought. They have about $10 million in workable space right now, and that is not including that 7.5 that you have to basically hold on to. Now, the Packers can create more money with Lane Taylor, and there are other things that they can do in terms of this Kenny Clark extension. Bill Huber reported that they are going to wait on that extension until after free agency and just sort of get a feel for where they're going to be. We also found out on Monday that the Packers and the rest of the league are going to have the draft on time. So while the Vegas activities are done, the the league is going to proceed with the draft in late April. So teams like the Packers, who have great traveling scouting departments, they're probably going to have a big advantage because they've gone out and they've seen these players a little bit more. And that seems like a weird thing to say, but not every team does that. Not every team has an extensive network of guys who are going out and watching these games every week. I I, I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Now, around the league, I mentioned what happened with the Lions. The Vikings extended Kirk Cousins. He now has a cap hit in 2022 of $45 million. There's also heavy speculation that the Vikings are going to trade Stephon Diggs. He tweeted something cryptic, and everyone was quick to be like, oh, come on, dude. This is all you do. You just like the attention. And he said, no, this is different this time. So that is something to monitor in the coming days. I mentioned this on Twitter. The Cowboys let Amari Cooper and Byron Jones hit the market. Tag Deck Prescott did not get a deal done with any of their core players. Did not get a, de- a long-term deal done with any of their core players and now could lose two of the three. 
Byron Jones already agreed to a deal with Miami. And and re- remember now, none of these deals are done with free agents. Street free agents like Wagner and, and Kirksey, those are done. You can sign those. That's it. And they do not work against your comp pick formulation. The Packers could be in line for a very nice set of picks next offseason because I think they're done. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But so the Cowboys look like they're going to be worse. The Lions are going to be worse based on what we've seen in free agency. And the Vikings, they were able to extend Cousins, but if they deal digs, they're, they're bringing Anthony Harris back on a franchise tag, but this team, they lost Stephen Weatherly. They still have to work out a deal for Everson Griffin. It looks like the Vikings could get worse. And the 49ers, the team the Packers are chasing in the NFC, the team, really, they trade either their second or their third best player, depending on how you want to rank them, DeForest Buckner, to the Colts for the 13th overall pick. Now, if one of these stud receiver falls to 13, if CeeDee Lamb is there at 13 and the 49ers are able to pick that guy up, maybe you go, mm, I don't know if that was a was a bad move by San Francisco. On the other hand, rookies are a coin flip. They did a great job last year getting rookie production, and that is pretty inconsistent from year to year. And they've had big misses in the draft before. It's not like this team is, is infallible with draft picks and, and free agent decisions. So... Looks like the rest of the NFC is having some issues getting better. Now, that brings us to this question about the Packers. Are the Packers better? Are the Packers better today than they were in week 17 of the NFL season, let's say? Well, they downgraded at right tackle. Just pure downgrade. Brian Bulaga is a better player than Rick Wagner. Now, when the contracts come out and Bulaga is getting 12 or $13 million a year, more per season than the Packers are giving Wagner for two years. And if Wagner stays healthy, even if he's the 60th best offensive tackle in the league, and it basically means he's the last starter-level player, and I think he's better than that, he can be better than that, still only 30 years old. But even if he's just that, to get that at the money and be able to you know, not have to move on from some of your key core pieces and, and still add someone like Christian Kirksey... I think there's value to that and not having to, to give Brian Balaga $13 million a year and then being able to allocate some of that to Kenny Clark or to a David Bakhtiari contract. I think there is value in that. So from a value perspective, what the Packers did was great I mean, really good on the cap, smart stuff, and they still have room to maneuver. They can still rework some contracts like Pittsburgh is doing and try and create some more space to, to do more dealing. There's still the trade market to think about. And I think the Packers, if they're going to make a move, I think that makes the most sense for them just because, you know, other than Corey Littleton, who it seems like the Packers have already decided this is what we've done and this is where we're going. I don't know that there's other players out there who make sense at their expected price who move the needle for the Packers. Is Christian Kirksey a better player than Blake Martinez? I don't know. If he's healthy, I think the answer is yes. If he's healthy, the answer is yes. Blake is probably going to get three times the money. So these are the trade-offs that you have to make. If you're a team like the Packers, you have good players that you've had to pay, and then you you go into the offseason. Now, the point that I made on Twitter was, look, you, you it's not just, you can't just say that the Packers are replacing Brian Bulaga and Blake Martinez with Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey because... 
Then you go into the draft. If you get Josh Jones and Akeem Davis Gaither, or you get Kenneth Murray and Jack Driscoll, those count toward your your player values. And so obviously paying Blake Martinez was never going to be an option for Green Bay at his expected price. And I don't think it was really ever an option with Bulaga given his expected price either. But when you think about, okay, you, you pay these veterans this bargain price and you make it easier. You make it easier to go into the draft and now find their successors because you're not allocating so many resources to a specific position. That flexibility has its own kind of value that you can't you can't capture in, you know, pro football focus grades. It just it's unquantifiable in that way. And so what Green Bay has done is provided themselves a tremendous amount of flexibility. Are they more talented than they were? No, they're not. But they were able to fill in gaps at prices that make sense. I don't think they're a materially worse team than they were last year. And they can be a more talented team coming out of the draft. Now, all of that would have been true if they just paid the money to keep these guys. But that has consequences too. Because Kenny Clark still needs to get paid. David Bakhtiari still needs to get paid. So you can't just view this all through the lens of one offseason. It's not. Because the decisions you make this offseason have repercussions for next offseason and the season after that. It's something that the Vikings have done a poor job of managing, frankly. Because they're having to rob Peter to pay Paul. And the Packers just aren't having to do that. And with the salary cap expected to jump significantly in 2021 when you've got new media rights deals... The Packers can afford to push off some of that money, kick the can down the road, so to speak, and still be in a position to have both short-term and long-term flexibility. That's what these moves were about. You add guys who can contribute this year that give you the space, the runway, to add longer-term talent. And then in two years, if those longer-term talents haven't worked out, if they haven't improved your team, then you can either sign someone new or go at it in the draft again. There is value, though. Wagner is a pro. He's an experienced guy with David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley and a really good core of of players with this offensive line group. Getting him in there and having him help mentor whoever's going to be the right tackle of the future, that has value. Christian Kirksey, Joe Thomas wrote about on Twitter about how Kirksey is an all-time teammate and, and just was a beloved figure in the Browns locker room, a leader, and, and just nails. If you draft a linebacker, him being around Christian Kirksey is a benefit to that player. Oren Burks and Curtis Bolton being around Christian Kirksey, that's a benefit to them. And so these players, they add to a culture that you started building last offseason. With Matt LaFleur, with Sedarius and Preston Smith, with Billy Turner, you are adding to that culture. You are strengthening it. Despite the fact that, you know, it's not going to be popular that Brian Bulaga is going to be allowed to walk. But if you bring in quality guys, then you say, okay, look, the money got to be too much. And the guys that are now here are also quality dudes. All right, so where do the Packers go from here? That's the big question, right? What is the situation tomorrow and the next day and the next day? Free agency doesn't even technically open until Wednesday. 
Well, that's something that they're going to have to figure out. I, I don't see a lot happening in terms of money because they just don't have a lot of it. Now, when you look at the potential moves that they could make, I do not think Corey Littleton or a big splash is really on the horizon. But it's still the case that the Rams need to get off some money. What could the Packers give them that would be appealing in terms of a trade for Robert Woods? Could you get off some of that money? And even if you agreed to take some of that that dead cap, You'd save the Rams five and a half million dollars. They'd still have, you know, four point three in dead cap. But you could uh, you could absorb some of that. Five and a half million is almost exactly how much the Packers would save by cutting Lane Taylor, and they could absorb Robert Woods pretty easily. That's still the move that I think makes a lot of sense for the Packers. And I, I think a trade at this point is more likely. They missed on Austin Hooper. Robbie Anderson is going to get too expensive. Emmanuel Sanders. I think is going to get too expensive. I think he's a Patriot. And I I just don't see how the Packers can find a player that's really going to move the needle in a significant way more than someone like Woods. Could it be a defensive lineman? Could it be Michael Pierce? Michael Brocker signed for, God, $10 million a year in Baltimore. And that's just more money than I would have been willing to pay if I'm the Packers. It's just too much for a guy who mostly stops the run. I said on the on the pod the other day, seven Eight million might be, you know, a reasonable figure, and that even is in, in counting for the inflationary nature of free agency. It's just not a number. I mean, there were a lot of numbers being thrown out on Monday that just didn't make any sense to me. So, I think the, the Packers are going to be patient now. They can wait to see if more guys are released. They can wait to see if guys become available via trade, and they they have more time now because they've done some of these these things early. And remember, these are not going to count against their comp picks. So you are cheering now for Blake Martinez and Brian Bulaga to to make big money because that benefits the Packers moving forward. Now, one bit of housekeeping. Late in the day on Monday, it was announced that the NFL and the NFL's Players Association are making changes to the offseason. April 20 is when teams with new head coaches, you know, you, you can have OTAs, April 6th with a new head coach. And the Packers didn't do that. They wanted to put all their OTA time together. But that is not going to be the case. Um, teams are not going to be allowed to meet early. Uh, and this is all, you know, based on what's going on with COVID-19, uh, you know, the coronavirus. And we, you know, we've talked a lot about it, the impact of it. And I hope everyone is taking the necessary precautions. Stay inside. Order food. I put the siren song out on Twitter. If if you are a local business being affected by the, the closings, the cancellations, whatever it is, reach out and I will do my best to make sure people know you are still open or that you know they can order or whatever it is. Just reach out to me on Twitter. Um, you can you can reach out on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. Let me know. I want to be supportive. Of local businesses, and if you're someone who you know you you love your local pizza place and they're staying open and you appreciate it, hit me up with that too. I want to be able to shout them out and and give them some love so other people know that that's the situation. We also found out that free agent travel and medical procedures is going to change a little bit. They are suspending travel. They're putting together protocols that will provide clubs with opportunities to review a free agent player's medical records from his prior club and then arrange for a free agent player to have a medical exam in the player's home city or in another nearby location rather 
than having anyone travel to do it. I think that's a smart way to, to, to approach this. You know, I kept saying, oh, people kept telling you. Know, People kept telling me, oh, well, they got to have a physical. It's stupid for them to have free agency. No, there are ways around this. And luckily, cooler heads prevailed. That is exactly what has happened. Um, the NFL has also said that that facilities are closing to players, team facilities, other than those undergoing medically supervised rehab and treatment. Um, so for the next two weeks, everything is closed. And I, I think that's in the best interest of the players, the staff, and the teams, and just as we're we're coming on here, uh, it's announced that that Jimmy Graham and the Bears are signing a two-year, sixteen million dollar deal, including nine million in guarantees. I, God bless him. If that's gonna, if Jimmy Graham wants to go play for the Bears, wants to catch passes from Mitch Trubisky, you know that's great. I, I don't, I can't imagine that works out, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with a lot more. Uh, talk about the Packers and free agency. Uh, I, I want to save, you know, this for the evening again. Let's do it in the afternoon, uh, evening type situation, so that if stuff happens, if stuff breaks, we can be reactive to it. Um, and uh, I, I don't expect a lot to happen, but we'll see. If it looks like not much is going on early afternoon, you know, maybe late afternoon, I'll just I'll just jump on and we'll do a thing and and we'll just get an update. And we'll go from there. This is all going to be fluid. So just keep an eye on what's going on on my Twitter feed at Peter underscore Bukowski. What's going on on the, the podcast Twitter feed at Locked on Packers. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.